Hey there, and welcome back to Masters of the Cinematic Universe. I'm Joe. With me today, as always, is Doug and Eric, and we're here to talk some films and movies. What's up, guys? Hey. Films and doing? movies? Yeah, <laughs> some fil- some are films because they're actually like quality, and some are just Yes, movies. that's true. There is a, there is a separation there. <laughs> this may be a good example of it tonight, honestly. Yeah, I would think <laughs> like, so. Good Goodfellas was a film. <laughs> this is more of a movie. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Can I quote my wife after we watched this? She said, well, that was a movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I was trying to like think of like a um, a tagline for this movie also. Like, that would, like you know, where you get that, that, that punch, like a story about aliens taking over Earth or a right. story about people fighting ghosts. This one's like, what the fuck just happened? Exactly. <laughs> That's my 100% tagline accurate. for this movie might, might be... Uh, the 90s like what a time yeah yeah oh this was in the 2000s <laughs> no really what, what yeah was actually this? what well, year was this film made well I'll, I'll, we'll get to that in a second it's one of my trivia things i want to talk about but let's let's yep. go around first and say what's been going on guys what's what's new in your world what's what's uh i want to say brian's line but i'm not gonna do it no <laughs> uh so All hey right. guys well, yeah what's so new? i mean it's been crazy busy on every front in my life, it's been a little nuts. I mean, work is picking up, which is a good thing. You know, I'm in a, I'm in a sales-driven industry, and uh, things were a bit slow because of COVID, but they are uh, picking up, and the salespeople are doing their jobs. That makes my job easier, too, but it makes it more busy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's picking up. The pedal business has been steady, so that's, you know, taking up time. And, yeah, it's just been a little bit crazy. Um, I've I lost track of some, uh, some artwork. What's that? Some artwork for your pedal. Yeah, that's definitely something new. I I I, hi- I hired someone that we might know to do uh, a logo for me, and I am in love with this damn thing. Thank you so no. much, Mr. No, Bone. thank you, man. Thank you. I mean, no, I was I, I was happy to uh, to get the message. I'm happy to help. Yeah. No, I mean, I knew, I knew, you know, I had the idea in my head, and I mean, I'm I'm pretty proficient in Photoshop, but not your level. You know, uh, in the Adobe Creative Suite. So I knew what I wanted to get done in my head, and I knew you were the person to do it, just from your style. So I was really excited, and it it, it came out better than I I could ever have hoped. So, so yeah, new logo for the business. So that's cool. And otherwise, yeah, just been busy. Things are good. Nice, nice. How about you, Eric? Anything fun going on other than designing logos for pedal companies? <laughs> uh, fun? No, I'm I'm in full election fatigue, man. I, I, oh God, I know. Uh, and it's still not over yet. It's like, can we just no, call this shit already? I know we're getting yeah. close, but yeah, we're getting there. Uh, there's no beer in my fridge. <clears throat> oh so God! I'm doing Dude. these uh, doing this episode completely sober, guys. I don't know. I don't oh. know. <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh, that's the no, worst part good, about you know. Yeah, that's it's not great. Now the uh, this is the busy season for uh, for me too. So uh, you know a lot of holiday commissions, uh, which is you know it's a good thing to have the business. But uh, you know you get some projects that are super fun and, and creative, like Doug's, and you get uh, you know we need new Christmas cards this year. And it's right. Like, okay. Exactly. Right. Yeah. What about you, Joe? What you got going on? Uh, it's the day job just been killing me. Um, oh, no. I just I don't even know anymore. I spent three days in Lakeland this week, which is three hours from my house. So that Ooh. is fun going back and forth. And they Every couldn't be day? like, cons- 
couldn't be consecutive days. I went uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So, oh god, <laughs> I had to go back and forth. I couldn't just like stay. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm construction though. You know how that yeah, goes. I noticed that we hadn't had lunch uh, in a in a bit. I was gonna actually see if you wanted to today, but I didn't get done there till about two o'clock, and I figured that's kind of late for lunch. It's a late lunch, yeah. No, I figured, yeah. I think, you know, things probably got busy for you, so. Yeah. It's no, okay, I was, man. I understand. Um, now, next well, week, I will be going down there again, and I will be hitting you up for lunch if you're in town. Hell yeah. Um, nice. You tried all that, that uh, place in Jacksonville, eh? Oh, my God. <laughs> the, <laughs> the sandwich shop in Jacksonville that you uh, recommended for me blew my fucking gut open, buddy. Like, yeah. it was just. <laughs> This sandwich had no business being as big as it was. Yep. Like, it was comical. And, and then it was so good. <laughs> yeah, it was It was so delicious that it, uh, I finished 75% of it in one sitting, which is like, you could have fed a family of five. Oh. Uh, it was... Yeah, yeah. that'll kill you. Now, oh when, when I used to eat there three or four days a week... Um, I was I was teaching a vocational course up in Jacksonville. Uh, it was a solar class. I'm a solar contractor, um, so I was teaching like a course, and I'd, I'd go there for lunch and then have to come back and stand up for the next like four hours still to talk and tell, teach people stuff. And I don't know how I survived eating that much food and then doing that. No, that's nap food. <laughs> that tripletta though, man. Yeah. Oh. Mm. Damn, I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. <laughs> I guess I'm in uh, big trouble. Oh, oh, you saw what I did All there? Right. All right. Yep, All you right. did. So the reason I said not 90s and 2000, and this is one of the biggest pieces of trivia about this movie, this movie was originally supposed to air at the end of September of 2001. Yep. Does anybody remember what happened in 2001? Yeah. Mm. Bad timing. Bad, yeah. bad time. Especially when a good premise of your movie is about people hijacking an airplane with a nuclear device. Right. <laughs> yeah. The content is a little too close to home. They could have not picked a worse time to want to release this movie originally. Yeah. So they ended up pushing it for a year. This movie just sat for a year because that, that all happened right then. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's rough, man. Because we'll get to it. But the end of this movie... I remarked at the uh, airport security situation. The lack thereof? <laughs> How different it was. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah I, I can imagine, you know, this was right pre-9-11, so that explains that. Exactly. And, and this was actually based on a book written by Dave Barry, who was a columnist at the Miami Herald. Um, so he wrote this book even further before that. So this is like a precursor to a precursor to what actually happened. Right. Um, but yeah, so that probably had a little bit to do with its um, not or lack thereof of, of success at the box office. It wasn't really something you wanted to celebrate at that point in time. No, even a year later. Nope. Yeah. But um, the shots were, were, were um, Elliot. I'm not going to use their, their real names I'm going to use, which is Tim Allen's character. But uh, Elliot, when he's in the Miami Herald, that was actually filmed at the Miami Herald. And mm-hmm. the reason they got access was because Dave Barry, who wrote the book, was a columnist for the Miami Herald. And... The character of Elliot is supposed to be basically based on his life. Right. So that's a whole mouthful, but we'll get into that as the movie goes on. Um, this movie was directed by uh, Barry Sonnenfeld. Uh, 
you might know him from a lot of other stuff, but not this movie in particular. Uh, actually, this is one of those movies that every time I tell somebody like the name of it, they go, oh, you mean Big Trouble in Little China? I'm like, no, just just Big Trouble. <laughs> <laughs> like Tim Allen, uh, you know, a bunch of other... Uh, like, the ensemble cast in this movie is insane. Like, how they got this many, like, good actors to do this movie, I don't know, but... Well, I mean, well, that was in the middle of Sonnenfeld's heyday. Not that he's past yeah. his prime now, but I mean, I mean, you know, he had done some hot, hot movies. Yeah, so got, it was easy for course, him to get these started folks out with in it. Um, Adam's Family. Yep, you got Get Shorty. Get Shorty, one of my favorite films. I love that movie. Men in Black, Wild Wild West. Yep. Um, Men Shout in Black out to too. Brian. He loves his Wild Wild West. Oh yeah, he does. Yeah, I, I heard he's partial to the uh, the Lo- Loveless Lawless. What's his name again? Loveless or Lawless? Um, the the weird spider guy. Oh, Loveless. I think it's Loveless. Loveless. Yeah. I don't know why my mind went to Lawless. Um, but, of course, uh, he did all the Men in Blacks, and then he was producer on the new Men in Black, and the TV series The Tick, which actually uh, ha- um, is an ex- insanely good show. I don't yeah, know if you've is. watched the that original, one That's not. the original one. Yeah. With well, the he did Patrick the original Baldwin. one, but then he also did the new one that's the Amazon series. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I, I dug the new one too. Yeah, the oh, new one right, was really I, know, I good. really dig the new one, dude. The new one's I didn't amazing. Realize he was involved in that. Yeah, he's the executive producer on that. Oh, one. all right, producing. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yep. Um, so he is a director who's done quite a bit of things that have made quite a bit of money. This one didn't do so much. <laughs> no, no. Although he did deliver to this. Mo- now this is the the crazy part. He did this movie a million dollars under budget with the cast that's in this movie. Wow. Like, you know, I mean, the majority of money in this movie just had to go to paying the cast because, like, I can't see anything else in this movie costing much money at all. No, that's true. That's very Uh, true. So, so this is uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, So that's going to probably be reflected in my score at the end. Um, I'm sure it'll be very different for everyone else. Um, (laughs) It's got a lot of stuff I like in it. It's got dry deadpan humor. It's got an ensemble cast. It's got that feeling of a movie that can go any which way at any point in time. Or like a story that starts off in like 400 places, but all ends up in one place. Right. Um, I, I do find myself always leaning towards those type of, of uh, stories, whether it be TV shows or movies. I like things with moving parts, where not everything is based on just one through line. Mm-hmm. you got lots of stuff going on. Um, and it takes place in Miami. So, I mean... Well, that's and, definitely and a qualifier also, for you. <laughs> it also makes fun of Gator fans. Like, Because <laughs> uh, growing up in Miami and being a Miami Hurricane fan... And now living in Gainesville, surrounded by Gator fans. Yeah. I feel like I feel for Dennis Farina's character. Um, <laughs> like, that, that, like, that is, you know, and that, I, I've sat around in that time when this movie came out. Miami was, like, on their heyday of winning national championships, too. It was like, Miami was the best team in football. And I remember those sports shows where people would call him like well Gator fans want to talk all this crap but like I like this is like stuff I vividly remember happening on the radio so right that had a special place in my heart uh, when I uh, when I when I heard that those scenes which um, this episode is going to be a little different also from our normal episodes as I'm going to cut in some of the actual like audio from the movie for certain quotes just because I think it'll be better than me butchering the quotes since Really, the only thing about this movie, since 
Is there really much of a plot? Did you guys find a plot? There's like 12 <laughs> or so plots. Exactly. Yeah, that qualifies they, as, a, as one plot. They, yeah. they meander in and out and sometimes touch each other and then just sort of drift off again. So Yeah. Now, also, I will say, as a person who grew up in Miami, it's not the small town feel that they make it feel like. They make it feel like everybody's running into everybody everywhere. Right. <laughs> like, that is not how it is. Uh, you barely ever see anybody you know in Miami, and nobody talks to each other. Sure. It's like any big city, you know? Yeah, they, made, they, they brought the charm of it, which also... The areas they filmed in are drastically far apart from each other, so it's kind of weird <laughs> that they make it seem like it's really, really a tiny spot. But all that being said, I'm going to let uh, Mr. Jason Lee, or better known in this movie as Puggy, take it for a second here and kind of give us a, uh, a brief synopsis of how this thing should start. God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures to keep them alive with you. In other words, life is hard, so you better find someone who'll be your partner. Elliot Arnold's story is a lot like Noah's, except Elliot's story takes place in Miami. You just can't beat these when they're really fresh. Anyway, Elliot should probably tell you exactly what happened because I was locked in the trunk of a police car for part of it. My name's Puggy and I live in a tree. I hope I didn't ruin anything for you. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love how they're addressing spoilers before spoilers are really a thing. Yeah, <laughs> like, I know. Um, but, uh... <clears throat> How many stories have two narrators, let alone one that just narrates the intro? <laughs> right, right. And, uh, I mean, Jason Lee was perfect for that. So. Oh, yeah. He played yeah, that I, I will say this. I never heard of this movie before you brought it to the table. And as soon as the intro came on and we got to that line, which was, uh, my name is Puggy and I live in a tree. I was like, oh, I'm in. I'm in. Like, oh, what the hell am I watching? <laughs> It's a movie literally about nothing. Yeah. yeah. But, it's, but it's, uh, I love it. Um, like, this is one of those movies that if it's on, I will watch it. I will stop and watch it no matter what if it's on. <laughs> like, um, and I'll never be bored. Like, the, I'll watch it. I will laugh through the whole thing. I will enjoy the entire thing. And I will, it's just, I, I don't know why it speaks to me, but it does. Um, on a side note, the tree that Puggy is in is my favorite type of tree also. It's called a banyan tree. Okay. Is that native, uh, I guess, to that area? There, or? there are a lot in South Florida. The biggest one I've ever seen, I mean, these are massive trees, but not mm -hmm. like like vertical massive. They're horizontally massive. So when they grow, they grow up, and then they grow back down into the ground, and they have like millions of like, like basically um, like roots or what's the word I'm looking for here, the main part of a tree? Trunk trunk they have trunks that go down everywhere and they can make like mazes and stuff in between their trunks and they're amazing for building like tree forts in and um i remember growing up in miami we had them all over the place and we'd like we'd like hang out they'd be like our little clubhouses and stuff and you can climb up in them and like there's spots to sit and stuff up in the, in the top um but the biggest one there is is in cypress gardens which is now legoland um it literally takes up i want to say forty thousand, fifty thousand square feet Wow. 
Yeah, it's ridiculous. It grows. It's like, it's a couple. Of, it's a, it's got to be an acre to two acres big. Like this, this tree is ridiculous. And like, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at some pictures, and it's it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. The Legoland Cypress Garden one. Just in general, banyan trees in general. I mean, Dude, I, banyan trees are the coolest fucking yeah. trees. Yeah. Um, you just got to have a lot of space if you want to make it look cool. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But um, they are all over Miami. Um, so that's a quite accurate representation of what a tree in Miami would look like. That's cool. Because we don't we don't have the typical like pine oak trees and that kind right. of stuff. We got like tropical trees. Joseph, this tree's too big, homie. Like they're fucking awesome, though. <laughs> they're so uh, fucking well, you cool. said clubhouse. I'm like, oh yeah, this is where we would like, you know, climb up and smoke weed in high school and stuff. Kids would die up there, man. Like this thing is huge. Oh yeah. Um, look, if if you get the chance, search like Cypress Gardens Banyan Tree. Like it, you'll you'll see it. It's it's ridiculous. Like it is insane. Um, it's, it's in the big, like gardens part of the park and like, it's the centerpiece and just, it's got pathways going through it, like bench areas, like where people can sit and rest. Uh, it's the coolest fucking thing. That is cool. All right. So from Puggy's close up, it goes now to Elliot Arnold ad agency, which is where, uh, we meet Tim Allen. And when we meet him, he's immediately getting yelled at by a giant fat man who represents <laughs> what people in Miami are <laughs> like. Yeah. Michael McShane's character of Bruce, like that is a Miamian. Like they're loud, they're obnoxious, they're sweating all the fucking time. Oh god, he was so sweaty. <laughs> and the clothes, like that's what you like. That's the kind of people you'll see in 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 uh, get into with the Miami. Right. Um, he hires uh, Elliot to create an ad for him for his uh, beer, um, and the fish hook ale. Which Elliot thinks he's going to be clever and make like this, which would probably would work nowadays, like with the whole craft beer thing. But I guess right. at this point in time, they weren't ready for it. This movie's like, it, it, like this is like a Nostradamus effect in this movie. It predicts <laughs> so much shit in the future, but it's way ahead of its time. <laughs> like just so many things in this movie, I'm like looking, I'm like, oh yeah, like I see that shit now, but like back then, eh. no, um, it's true. I didn't even think about that with the beer because we're so used to, like you said, the craft beer industry now. But yeah. you're right. I mean, you know, we're going back 20 years. So so he's got a picture of what I think is a cowfish. It's one of these, like, really ugly fucking fish. Yes. And his poster says, ugly fish, good beer, and it has a hook in its <laughs> mouth, which is a clever play on words. Yep. And it has, as Elliot says, it tries to contrast in a humorous fashion. However, Bruce is not having this. Nope, not <laughs> at all. I'm going to play Bruce's response real quick because I find it quite funny, and I know I won't do it justice. What the hell is this? Why are you saying ugly? I don't want to see ugly. That's not the feeling I want. Bruce, what, what I'm doing here is, is contrasting in a humorous fashion. Get hooked on fish hook. That's the concept. You got a guy and a boat and a girl. The girl's in a bikini. She has big tits. They're on a boat getting shit-faced drinking fish hook ale. The girl has really big tits. The feeling of this ad is somebody's going to get laid. It's perfect. I gave you the perfect concept, and you give me ugly? All right, all right. <laughs> so, <laughs> you get, like, what this guy is. Like, uh, he's a fucking douchebag right off the bat. Um, but, like, I, I somehow just connect with him because, like, <laughs> these are the people I grew up around. Like, I'm like, ah, oh, this is just fucking Tuesday. This is how the people like, you know, she, he's in a bikini. She has big tits. The feeling is someone's going to get laid. <laughs> 
She has really big tits. Uh, yep. <laughs> I like that he has to reiterate it, like in case he didn't get the first time. Yeah. So while this is happening, Elliot starts to kind of fade out, and then he starts narrating his backstory, where he kind of tells you like a little bit about himself and who he is. Um, <clears throat> he had a nice house. He had a wife. He had a good job about a year ago. He worked for the Miami Herald. He was a uh, a columnist that wrote offbeat columns. He had won two Pulitzer Prizes. Um, but then, you know, things happened. This guy, Ken Deber, showed up, and he wanted him to write this story on the daycare crisis. Now, Elliot, being a Pulitzer Prize winner who liked writing offbeat things, he'd rather write a story about a pelican that's being trained by a Cuban guy to drop bombs on Castro. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so... Um, you know, he's got his ego in, in there, and uh, the boss man says, well, if you want to keep working here, you're going to write a story about a daycare crisis and put it in this computer. And then Elliot says, I'm going to put something else in the computer and just kicks the fuck out of the computer. <laughs> uh, apparently, that was the day he had found out his wife had been having an affair with a tennis instructor, and in hindsight, he probably should have just read the, written the daycare article. <laughs> I know, as he walks out of the office with the monitor on his foot. Yeah, it's like, clunk, clunk. It's the visuals in this movie, like, it's, yes. like I said, it's just a fun movie. Like, I am i don't know how, like, to, this, you no, know, a lot of our movies, there's a lot of depth and stuff to them. Yep. This is all fucking surface, like. Surface fun. Dumb yeah, fun. Yeah, surface fun. That's what fun. it's about. So we, we zoom back into the ad agency where he's getting continually yelled at by Bruce. I can get ugly for free. Um, then his phone rings and he answers the call and pretends it's a person named Nigel. However, it's actually his son, Matt. And uh, Matt wants to borrow the Geo. Which <laughs> 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 sets up a whole bunch of more jokes. Um, but he says, Andrew and I have, or Andrew, me and Andrew have to kill a girl. And then his father replies, Andrew and I. <laughs> Yeah. I yeah. care about the kill a girl he part. Correct the murder part, you know. Just just the the grammar because he's you know a Pulitzer Prize winning author. <laughs> we when then we cut to a scene where um, he starts talking about why Matt hates him and he's like he's mad about the geo. He doesn't care about the divorce. He just cares that he bought a fucking geo. <laughs> uh, Matt says, "How many clowns can this car hold?" Yes. <laughs> And then uh, back into his narration, he says to Matt, the Geo was a 48 mile per gallon symbol of my bad luck, wrong choices, and missed opportunities. <laughs> Doug, you ever have a Geo? No, I never had a Geo, but I did have one of the first Hyundais ever sold in the States. Oh, God. <laughs> 1986. With, with, like, um, how would that compare to the Geo? It's the same shit, different smell. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 the, and the Hyundai was shit brown. That was the color of oh, it. So. Oh. Yeah. Did it actually come in like the package like that, like shit brown? Like yeah, that was like I, they, the I, they may have called it shit brown, but listen, <coughs> it was forty nine ninety eight with zero percent financing. So, <laughs> did you get the undercoating? <laughs> I probably did. <laughs> uh, so next we go over to Miami International, and you get more of uh, Elliot narrating his second chance opportunity just came in on flight 57 from new orleans it was in a suitcase sandwiched between a quarter ton of frozen crawfish and a dalmatian that gave birth to a litter of 17 over Lake 17, yeah, something like that. <laughs> the dalmatian made the news <laughs> um and you get your uh your uh, first uh, joke about it looking like a garbage disposal yes that that's a uh, theme yeah, so th- there's multiple times that this thing is going to be referred to as a garbage disposal even though it's really a nuclear uh, nuclear bomb. Um, now we get introduced to two of my favorite characters in the whole movie, 
Henry DeSalvo and Leonard Ferroni. You got they Dennis are hitmen. They're they're hired as Dennis Farina, rest in peace, the the legend. And uh, I can't remember the guy. What's his name that plays Leonard? Um, someone I am uh, Jack so I talk. Keller. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking. Jack Keller. <laughs> Jack Keller. Jack Keller. Yeah. Yeah, for he's some a reason, great I was character thinking, actor. He's been in a ton of movies yeah. that you might not know his name, but he's that guy from that thing. Exactly, know? Ed Zachary. Yeah, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, he was perfectly obnoxious in this movie. <coughs> yes, yeah. yeah, somewhat dim-witted, but you know, good at what he did. He's the perfect sidekick. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So uh, they come in, and then the first thing he says, "So this is Miami. They can keep it." <laughs> Which to me is like the typical New Yorker or New Jersey like type of fucking like thing to oh, say. Oh, hundred percent. We get the narration that they're there for a reason. They have a Remington thirty out six hunting rifle with a Bushnell scope, and it says Charlton Heston shoots big horn elk with his, but they get they they'll shoot anyone with theirs for twenty five thousand dollars a piece. Yep. They drop the gun out, which is another re- repeating theme. Um, and the guy, and the, the old guy getting on the bus looks at him and he goes, hey, we play golf with a guy that cheats. <laughs> yeah, that's a great line. <laughs> uh, but the reason they're really there is to kill a man named Arthur Herc, who we're going to meet here shortly. Um, which, when it comes to Arthur Herc, Stanley Tucci, I think, was the only person given, like, the reins to like actually act in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> he fucking just goes off in this movie. Well, that's a nod to his talent. And he's oh, one he's of my so favorite good. actors. That that dude can act. He's he is great. so so good. But in this, this movie, like this, the character he plays, ah, oh, like I've met this guy before. Like I've met this guy many many times. Like, <laughs> I wonder if the reason this movie rings so like so like in tune with me is because like I know these people. Like these are the people who I grew up with. Yeah. Well, I mean like, that's a that's a nod at Dave Barry. I mean, yeah, you know, he was able to to move that from the book to the movie. You know. And, yeah, uh, and, and keep it that. keep it real, you know. With the fact, like him being a Miami columnist, like he was, in, like he was very familiar with Miami also. So he probably like nailed the Miami people. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, next, we go to the Miami River, which is a very dirty, disgusting river. <laughs> There's like a really nice part of it, like right where it first comes in from Biscayne Bay, like where it goes by Key Brickle and like part of downtown, and. Um, once you get a little bit in from that, it's a really fucking disgusting, nasty ass river. Oh, um, which is portraying that, <laughs> which they did with the Jolly Jackal, the bar that uh, Puggy Puggy's boat comes in. He says he moved from his place in Boston, which was a cardboard box, yeah. <laughs> uh, where he was reading Martha Stewart's Living, and it said Miami had some of the finest Cuban restaurants. And since he loved Fritos, he associated <laughs> them with Cuban food. Ah, <laughs> uh, so. He pulls up to this Russian bar called the Jolly Jackal. Um, he comes in and orders a beer and some Fritos. <laughs> um, yes. and, and then another two great characters come in. Uh, Mr. Johnny Knoxville and... Um, Tom Sizemore. Uh, Tom Sizemore playing Snake Dupree and Eddie Ledbetter. They come in and immediately just look at him and say, ass wipe. Nothing <laughs> 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 else. Just look at him and say, ass wipe. Uh, so they... Um, they uh, steal Puggy's money that he had left on the counter from his change. Like, just not even, like, hiding it. Just kind of, like, look over. Yeah, just put reach their over and take it. And take the money. Uh, there's no one else in this bar, too, also, besides the two Russian guys that work there. So it's like, he knows they took the money. Like, it's not like <laughs> someone else took the money. So Puggy, like, stands up to them and tells him to give him his money back and immediately gets his ass kicked. Yep. 
the Russian dude grabs the aluminum bat and uh, beats the shit out of Snake with it. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, he, they, they chased him out of the bar, basically. And then um, he looks at Puggy and says, uh, don't worry, you can drink for free. And then, like, he says, we sponsor a girl softball team. <laughs> right. <laughs> Perfect cover for what they're doing. Uh. Like I said, it's the deadbeat humor of this movie that I love. Yeah. Like it's just yeah. it's so on point because it's not like even, they're not trying to make a joke. It's just like any sponsored girls softball team. <laughs> it's yeah, the so pacing dry. of that scene was really funny too. Just yeah. the speed at which they punched him in the face. Like, oh, yep. there was yep. no build up to the fight. There was no tension. It was just like, hey, give that back. Doosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like shit just happens in this movie. They're like they're not like looking for like dramatic effect. It's just random shit happening. Right. Um so Puggy they ask him um if he wants a job and he carries in some weapons and because they're the Russian weapons dealers. I probably didn't say that yet, but uh, we're gonna find that out. And the suitcase that has the garbage disposal in it uh appears and they bring it inside and then they tell Puggy if he wants more work, just come back because he's strong. Yeah, five bucks they give him. <laughs> yep. Um that's right. It's only five bucks. Five but bucks. he gets free. He gets free beer. That's so. true. He goes. You, you drink free. <laughs> I, I love the Russian guys too. Like the line they use on the FBI guys when they walk in is like one of my favorites. <laughs> Baptist church down the block. I'm <laughs> <Yes. laughs> it. I can't skip ahead. <laughs> I can, uh, so now we go to the Herc residence, which is in. Uh, if you the real house itself is in like the Coral Gables Coconut Grove area. I mean that's one of the really nice, nice neighborhoods of Miami, like the where the rich, rich people live. Okay. Um, well, it makes sense given the house, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's got a fucking whole like wall made out of coral rock and shit too going around it. Yeah, I mean it is a nice fucking house, um, and it has a giant banyan tree in the backyard that Puggy climbs up into. Um, and Elliot's over, you know, narration comes over, and goes, he's been in Miami for a day and has a better career and better neighborhood than I do. Yeah. <laughs> Um, then he looks over and sees a very young Sofia Vergara on the back porch. Yeah, um, almost unrecognizable. Yeah, like the first time I watched it, I'm like, who is that? Then I was like, oh, shit, that's uh, from Modern Family. Well, not the yep. first time I watched it, but like one time after I had watched Modern Family when yeah, I watched it. Yeah, exactly. Because I watched this movie originally in 2002. I'm one of the few people that saw this movie in the movie theaters. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I never made the uh, Sophia uh, connection there. The whole movie, really? Oh, well, yeah. That and the same thing about the Jenny. Jenny Zoe Deschanel. <laughs> see that? Yeah, one I, I mean, she's right a away. kid in that movie. I did. I could tell it was her. Yeah, but see, when I watched this movie, she hadn't done anything else yet <laughs> except for like, um, she did the new guy with DJ Qualls, like real, right, like right after this. Yeah, almost the same year. Yeah, I'm yeah. looking. I mean, Sophie Vergara. That was her first. Like U.S. or American role, yep. And only your second so, role, total. You know. So we owe this movie for her coming to America. <laughs> so Matt and Andrew pull up in the G- Geo, which we'll later find out in the movie. They're listening to a band called the Seminal Fluids. I wonder if <laughs> if uh, our friend um, from Just Surprise Me, RJ, would think that that's punk rock. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. There's there's some qualifier that's missing there. Um, yeah. Matt Matt tells Andrew, my dad thinks he's a loser, so he bought a loser's car. <laughs> yes. They open the back hatch up, and there's a Super Soaker 600. It holds a gallon of water, and it's accurate up to 50 feet. Um, they call the car Turdmobile and jump over the back wall. <laughs> um, after Andrew asks, should we just go through the front door? Which, you can't hurt to kill somebody. You can't go through the front door. 
Right. Now, there's another recurring theme in this movie, and that's uh, a very famous person who at the time had not been indicted yet on embezzlement charges. <laughs> yet she was being played for and torturing a man who did get indicted on embezzlement charges. <laughs> um, that's Miss Martha Stewart. She's yeah. been brought up already with Puggy, and now she's on TV where uh, Jenny and um, Anna are watching the TV. Um, and, of course, Arthur has to come in with some smart-ass remark like, oh, why are you watching that? The only thing you ever make is reservations. <laughs> uh, and then um, you see uh, Nina's in her bedroom. Her, which is which is uh, it's like I guess it's like a uh, maid's quarters they have. Yeah, she's their yeah. The family maid. Um, and of course, Arthur comes in and is like a super fucking creep. Oh, it's um, awful. I like the um, the voiceover. He's one of the few people that wasn't confused when he voted for Pat Buchanan. Yes. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he makes Venkman look tame. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. He, he's, like, massaging her foot and then, like, just sticks her whole fucking oh, foot. Uh, and it's funny because she calls him Mr. Jerk. This yes. was hard to watch. It was really hard it to was. get through. It's oh. It was. Gross. He's like, you're strong peasant arches. <laughs> uh, he's, like, yeah, licking in between all her... T- then she kicks him in the face and runs out and locks the door. Yeah. And he gets the line, come out of here. This is my house. You work for me, and I want to suck your toes. <laughs> awful, awful person. It is, But this is the type of fucking person that would be this person. Oh, of course. Like, this guy actually exists in Miami regularly. Like, this isn't like a one-off situation. Um, so Matt and Andrew jump over the fence, and they say, I hope they don't have a dog which is going to be another repeat joke. But they do, in fact, have a dog whose name is Roger, and he's the result of unhasty, unplanned dog sex. (laughs) (laughs) And Roger had ate nothing but dirt for the past month because the most horrible being in existence came into his life, which is a bufo toad, which I fucking hated these things growing up. Oh, they're real? They're real, and they're big. Like, they are, like, the size of a fucking Frisbee big. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. And they are, oh, we, we, uh, and I don't, I know people like our animal cruelty people, but we'd kick the fuck out of those things every time we see them. Cause, oh, they poison shit. They, they try to kill your fucking dogs. They, like, they're, they're a pest. They were brought here. It's kind of like the, um, episode where, uh, Bart goes to, like, um, Australia and brings the frog with him. And it takes over. Right. And the Simpsons. Like, that's how these frogs are in Miami. And, and, or toads. They're not even frogs, they're toads. Oh, so they're um, like the snowbirds from New York, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Pests that are brought in. I, I'm running around <laughs> kicking them, too. <laughs> um, but they have a, a, a substance called bufotin, which um, later on the guy from the FBI talks about. And uh, it's a it's an hallucinogenic thing that if they spray you, it'll make you fucking hallucinate. Um, so Ro- Roger gets sprayed, and he starts hallucinating that his tail is a porterhouse. <laughs> <laughs> um, which that dog is an ugly fucking dog. Nah, that dog's cute. It was adorable. I will be honest with you. The movie started to lose me at this point. Oh, you started like zoning out. It this this is the point at which like it started to grow so many branches for me that I was like, what? This movie's like a banyan tree. It's like (laughs) it is like a banyan tree. Yeah, but in a not good way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh no, I love it. (laughs) Fuck you. So, oh, this is the part where he actually comes in and makes the comment about making reservations. Then he changes the channel to Xena, Xena Warrior yes, Princess. He loves his Xena. He's got to have Xena. 
Which, in this point in time, I will tell you, my grandpa used to watch nothing but Xena Warrior Princess and Hercules with Kevin Sorbro. So, like, <laughs> in Miami, and he was bald. And Oh, that's great. Uh, this, this, you know, it's bringing back memories. Um, so, Henry and Leonard also pull up. They jump over the fence also and say, I hope they don't have a dog. Which, of course, they have a dog. <laughs> All right, so let's shoot him so we can get the fuck out of here. And then basically they get start getting bit by mosquitoes, which he corrects uh, the other guy and says all mosquitoes are female because they suck the blood out of you or something. Right. Uh, um, which I hate mosquitoes. That's another accurate portrayal of Miami that I'm glad they got in there. Uh, I'm sure they're – well, I don't know about you, Doug, but I know they're we're, – we're, uh, we're Oh, no, we're, we get lives. inundated with mosquitoes, especially down by the water. It's awful. I know Orlando has its fair share of mosquitoes. Yeah. Bro, there's a mosquito in my house. <laughs> I want to say for the past three nights, and it waits until I'm asleep to just bite my legs. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I'm scratching in the middle of the night, so I'm bleeding in my sheets. That's terrible. Nice. Man. Dude, yeah. I was sitting outside the other night in Halloween. We, like, set up out front a little table, like, you know, a, di- a distance away from the candy bowl, like, to, like, wave at people as they came by. Um, and I might, like, the mosquitoes just, like, bit my ass in, like, 40 places. Nice. <sighs> Because the next morning I woke up, just my ass was like itching like crazy. I'm like, God, mosquitoes. Yeah, see, um, at least we get a seasonal reprieve here. We don't, you know, we only have them in the summer. Um, another fa- another favorite line of mine. Um, they they said, "I hope he doesn't have a gun." This is Miami. He has a gun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's definitely true. Yep. So Matt runs in to shoot Jenny with the squirt gun for the, his game killer, and at the same time, Henry shoots and hits the TV. Uh, the mom tackles Matt. Arthur runs into Nina's room. <laughs> Nina runs outside. Andrew takes off. Puggy watches the entire thing. Nina falls. Leonard trips over Nina. Then Puggy jumps on Henry and grabs the gun. And with the police coming, Puggy gives the gun back to Henry, who leaves with Leonard because you don't want to be standing here when the police come with that gun. And then that's why Eric just lost it. Because <laughs> there's it like, and as quickly as I read it, that scene plays out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it does. And your head's spinning, and you're going, what? It started to feel like like this movie was like if Kevin Smith made uh, Pulp Fiction. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's a fucking great description. That is very good. I like that. Uh, so the police uh, show up. Um, Matt's getting choked by the mom as uh, Monica Romero, also Janine, also known as Janine Garofalo, comes in. And Roger immediately bites her in the crotch. Yeah. <laughs> And then the guy who's in everything ever comes in, and that's uh, Patrick Warburton playing yep. Officer Walf- Walter Kramitz. He picks up the squirt gun and says, oh, it's a squirt gun. I can't really do a good uh, Patrick Warburton verse. Can you guys do that, his voice? It's it's hard because it's so low and it's dumb besides. Not that yeah, he's you, dumb, but you, you, you he really plays dumb better sound. than most anyone in, in movies yeah. and TV. I think he him, him and Samuel L. Jackson are fighting for the most roles ever in, in something. <laughs> like, yeah, he he gets a lot of work. Patrick Warburton gets a lot of work, and a little bit of trivia. I might be stealing some thunder, but he he voices Buzz Lightyear in in the yep. DC. I mean the Disney Channel uh, Toy Stories. And As Tim Allen does Tim Allen, the movie, you know, does the movies. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, so we get both Buzz Lightyears in this movie. Um, so the Arthur comes out and uh, talks shit. So I'm going to give you the. The line about Arthur, because I just got this one also queued up for when the police come. So, this makes me laugh. This is Stanley Tucci acting at his finest. About time you putzes got here. And your name is? This is my house. Good for you. Your name is? 
Arthur Herc? I know the mayor. What took you people so goddamn long? We came as soon as we got the call, sir. My TV. He broke my TV, you son of a bitch! I'm gonna make you pay for that and you're gonna go to jail! It's a squirt gun, sir. What? Squirt. Squirt gun. It's a good thing you ran away, Arthur. You might have gotten wet. Shut up! Easy. Don't tell me easy! This is my goddamn house! And these are my handcuffs, and if you don't take it easy, you'll be wearing my handcuffs in your goddamn house. <laughs> I love it. Uh, it's it's just the way they write the fucking like the responses. It's like they're smart ass responses yes. to everything. Um And he is so, the king of this the snarky comeback. I yeah. mean that's what he excels at in a lot of his roles, whether he's playing a a good character with snark or just a downright shit, you know? He's he's a he's like, the pro at that. She asked, "Who are you?" Uh, "This is my house." Yeah, <laughs> I know the mayor, Arthur Herc. I know the mayor. Yeah, it's like, uh, so um, Matt starts to explain what happened, which is me and Andrew came here, and then the mom fucking goes, "Andrew and I." Yeah, <laughs> which I love that she like says the same thing Tim Allen said, even since you know they're gonna you know fall in love later, but. uh so as they explain to the police, I don't understand how this happens, because this they're like this is all happening super fast, as is. But somehow Elliot shows up. Like, who had time to call him? And he didn't have a car because Matt had the geo. How the fuck did he get there so fast? Yeah, that was that was a little convenient uh, plot twist. We'll call it. Yeah. That. Yeah, I was trying to f- figure that one out. I'm like, uh, something doesn't make sense here. Well, I, I, mean, I had to assume too. No cell phone, right? So he. Yeah. Well, maybe. Well, no, maybe. you could have had a cell phone. Because I had a cell phone back then in Miami. Did you? Yeah. Lucky. Oh, yeah. yeah, right? Damn. No, I mean, yeah. look, the movie. The movie's an hour and 25 minutes long, so I guarantee you there's a lot that ended up on the cutting room floor for whatever reason, and, you know, an explanation for that might have just ended up there, and we'll leave it at that. Yeah. So, uh, Herc's going on about his 39-inch horizontal, and, of course, <laughs> Jenny goes, 35-inch diagonal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Elliot comes and trips over his word. I, oh, I heard he squirted your daughter. I mean, he got her wet. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I got to say that, that that double entendre stuff, it was a little obvious. And that's, yeah. that's another reason why this maybe falls a little short for me is because, it, yeah, it's kind of funny, but they, they missed on it. It's too obvious. So, you know, it kind I did have is. some issues with that. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Um, Kramitz is like, while they're all like, talking he finds a bullet in the tv and then everyone asks where's nina at and of course nina wakes up with puggy and thinks that he's jesus <laughs> yeah. jesus yes jesus? no puggy <laughs> um and she says she won't tell that he's living in the tree right <laughs> oh my God, what the fuck? i know guy shows up in a tree in the yard in a rich neighborhood and she's not gonna say anything yeah well she's pissed off because he's sucking oh, her toes yeah, yeah, anyways yeah. yep <laughs> This was yet another uh, plot thread that I just wasn't ready to go down, man. I was like, okay, <laughs> now, uh, there's a love story in here too. All right, just yeah. keep keep throwing it in the bucket. Yeah. Now some somehow Henry has now driven like thirty blocks north to Overtown to make a phone call on a payphone <laughs> um, to talk about his failed assassination attempt, and some like like uh, cholo gangsters come up and he pulls the gun out on them, and like immediately, oh no, we're cool, dude, we're cool, bro. Yeah. Um, which we get back to, to the, 
the Herc residence, and I got another continuation of Arthur Herc yelling at the cops for you guys here. <laughs> I'll tell you who did it. It's probably some goddamn kids, because these goddamn kids today, they all got goddamn guns, and they're all sniffing glue. Any additional insights, Mr. Herc? Any information can help us to protect you. I seriously doubt that you or any other member of the police force in this town could protect their own dicks with both hands. <laughs> Thank you for that observation. I'm not going to arrest you, Matt, unless Mrs. Herc wants to press charges. Hey, kids. I want to press charges! Cuff them! <laughs> hands are kind of full right now, what with holding my dick and all. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Janine Garofalo does have great lines in this oh, movie. Oh, yeah. Definitely. She got like she pretty much won like some of the best lines of this movie. Um, that's why I figured this was the better way to do this because this movie's just so fucking full of quotes. Oh, but, absolutely. Um, I think that's why I love this movie also because I love quotable movies. Yep. And like every line in this movie pretty much is a quote. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, Arthur's pissed that they can't. So they, Anna and Elliot walk out. Matt or. Anna and Jenny walk out Matt and Ellie. God, fucking too many names in this movie. <laughs> too many people in this movie. Um, Jenny gets all excited because she sees the Geo, which Matt was embarrassed of because her her biological dad sells them in Tulsa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then she says, I hope he didn't like uh, sell you an undercoating because it's just bullshit. <laughs> um, at which point... Um, Elliot and Anna start uh, flirting out front, you know, talking about how he's the guy from the newspaper. He made an article called Crapital Punishment about the toilets that didn't work in the jail. Um, she, like, just comes straight out and says, no, I want a divorce. I've been trying to get a divorce. Yeah, I mean, that that whole thing kicked up out of nowhere and went zero to 100 in two seconds. Yeah, like, she literally just met him, and yeah. she's all about it. Yep. Um, so Jenny, like, takes his tape and says she's into seminal fluids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is a pretty fucking great line. Uh, just out of nowhere. Um, RJ, that's for you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, on the ride home, you know, we get the father-son bonding moment where he says we're going to blame it on rap music and violent TV. Yeah. Uh, so, Matt starts talking shit to him. Um, and then, uh, you know, Elliot says, up yours, you little shithead. <laughs> He's trying to, like, be cool, I guess. I don't really know. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Well, he's tired of getting shit from, from his kids, so. Yeah, and he's got a little bit of confidence since the chick was just hitting on him in the tree, or at the front door. Yeah. Like. So now back to the banyan tree, which is my favorite tree again. Uh, Nina brings Puggy a nice plate of food, but it made sure she made sure it had Fritos on it, even though I don't remember her telling her she was in the Fritos. Yeah, I know. It just showed up. Yeah, she just, yeah. Yeah, but he does say he loves her, and she's all about it. She's yes. like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. another quick, uh, accelerated love story. Yeah, very quick. Yeah. A lot of this love at full first of sight here. Oh, yeah. It's Miami. It's magical. <laughs> oh, is that what you'd call it? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's how it goes down there. You live you live fast. They, they call it the Magic City. Ah, uh, okay. That is Miami's nickname, by the way, is the Magic City. Oh. Um, so we're back at Ed Elliott Advertising. Bruce is back again. And this time he's actually happy about the ad because he made the exact ad he wanted. They're on a boat. Yes. She's in a bikini. She has big tits. Um, and, and then Anna walks in as Bruce is leaving. And um, uh, I don't remember what the line that uh, Elliot says, but it's something about like um, a maximum exposure or something. Yeah, I'm not sure. 
Um, and she comes in, and you tell there's some like real kind of like sexual tension building in the room. And he asks if she wants coffee, and for some reason, they start making out, and like he's got this cup of coffee in his hand through the whole fucking room. <laughs> I know. And I know it's because it has to be. But they could have at least put some dye in it because when the water splashes, it's clear liquid coming out of the cup. Right, right. Like, they could have at least made it look brown. It probably would have been better if they just didn't have anything in it. <laughs> yeah. Um, he missed a great over. line that they gave Tim Allen when, when he offers her coffee. And she says yes. And he's like, well, it's really more of a dare than an offer. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, how do you like it? And she's like, sweet or something like that? Or soft and like, like light and sweet or something? I yeah, she says, yeah. yeah, yeah, light, sweet. That, see, that's what cuts the tension, man. He's like, oh, light, sweet. Yeah. So they just start making out, and um, it plays this awesome song called Donde Estas Yolanda, um, which I looked up because I'm actually going to use that for the outro, I'm pretty sure, because I love that fucking song. <laughs> <laughs> um, by Pink Martini, his name of the group, or the band that did that. Um, I'm all about, like, fucking Latin music. Like, I love Latin music. I know... It doesn't seem like something I talk about normally in my other uh, shows, but I fucking love Latin music. Well, it makes sense. I mean, where you grew up, you know? How about you, It's an everyday thing for you. No, I'm not into it, man, because, you know, I couldn't get away from it, like when I was Uh, a kid. Neither could I, but I just embraced it. Oh, no. I couldn't wait to get... uh, Listen (laughs) to some punk rock with RJ. (laughs) Uh, That's funny. Sorry. I have to cough for a second there. I got mucus running through his uh, stupid allergies right now um so bruce comes back in looking for his jacket and asks if they have room for a third (laughs) (laughs) as they're behind the desk which is exactly what he would say it is exactly what he would say he's Mm -hmm. that guy he is and i love that he recurs in this movie so many times yeah (laughs) yep and after this point on he gets basically made into a bitch the rest of the movie too oh yeah um so they calm down for a second then start making out again and then we Zoom to a parking garage where Arthur is there to confront his um, boss, I'm assuming, about being hired for an assassination, and he has a wig on. <laughs> I know. It's so bad. Uh, it's like the most terrible wig ever. And then he's like, I I know things. I have evidence. <laughs> and he says he's going to get the FBI involved. Yep. And then it goes on to a, a whole narration about the company he worked for, Penn Ultra, and how they were selling guns, and how um, Arthur didn't actually have evidence, but he knew where he could find some at. Um, then we zoom over to the beach, where I guess you know Elliot and Anna are taking a cool down after their uh, office experience, <laughs> and they start talking about their shithead kids in their fucking uh, shitty apartments, and how they're not available because he lives in it now. Um. The next scene, which quickly cuts to a place that I made so many fucking jokes about growing up. It's at Mast Academy, which is on uh, Key Biscayne. It's across from Sequarium and right next to the abandoned Miami Marine uh, Stadium, which we used to go on the roof of. It was covered in graffiti. Like, we'd go there at nighttime and sneak up on the roof and shit. And, like, you can see all downtown Miami from there. What a delinquent Um, you were. But Mast Academy was a... um, it's kind of like a magnet school in Miami, um, and it's like fucking nice. And that's the school they go to, because um, you can you can tell clearly that's where they're at. Uh, uh, Matt Andrews start talking about um, 
about the everything and Jenny comes up and she says that he wants to set up a new time where he can squirt her and of course you know DJ Qualls Andrew is like being all like horny about it and says he's <laughs> looking at her ass but um back to my Mast Academy joke growing up one of the jokes we'd always make whenever we met anyone from Mast Academy is we'd always ask if they were on the debate team because then they'd be masturbators <laughs> and we made that joke so many fucking times growing up that it became uh you know, just a running gag. That could explain partly what your love is for this movie, because the humor is on the same level. Yeah, it's all dry humor. <laughs> it's like, oh, so you're a no, 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 Joe. That's not dry. That's just not good. <laughs> you were making dad jokes in middle school, man. That's yeah, impressive. Exactly. No, high school. I mean, oh, I high school. Like a high school. Oh, all right. That's I, the difference. <laughs> I could have went to Mast. I, I had the grades for it, but I didn't go there. Um, I was. I thought about it too because I was thinking about getting like a marine biology major, and that's like a school that focuses on marine biology because it's right there on Key Biscayne. Uh, but I went to Southridge, which is more of a hood school that just focused on sports. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, the next scene takes place at Joe's Stone Crabs, which is a very famous restaurant in Miami, a very expensive restaurant in Miami. Um, and Henry and Leonard are there eating, you know, their their meal and talking to the guy who's supposed to be hiring them about about killing Arthur and tells him, like, who's the other guy with the gun, which is really just a random occurrence that Matt came through that same exact moment that he did. Because in this movie, Miami's a small town and everybody knows everybody and everyone's in the same <laughs> place at the same time. Um, but uh, another one of my favorite um, scenes in this movie comes up, and I actually pulled this one also. We're... Guess who's back in the scene? There we go. It's Bruce. Yes. Bruce is back. And he happens to be eating at the same place that Henry and Leonard are eating. And literally sitting back to back with Henry. Right. At the same time. smoking a cigar. So I'm just going to let them take it away because they can say this way better than I can. Excuse me. <laughs> Gentlemen, would you mind putting out your cigars, please? Come again. I ask, would you mind putting out your cigars, please? As a matter of fact, I would mind. Well, you see, the reason I ask, all due respect, I got a great New York strip sitting over there, cost me $27 and change, and it tastes like I'm eating a cigar. Listen, Ace, number one, you're eating a steak at a place called Joe's Stone Crab. And number two, there's no rule that says we can't smoke. Well, number one, my name is not Ace. And number two, I'm not talking about rules here. I'm talking about manners. You see, there is no rule that says I can't come over here and fart on your entree. But I don't do it. Why? Because it's not good manners. So I ask you again, in the nicest possible way, to please put out the cigars, okay? I hope you realize you've just committed assault. I know, I know. You know, I remember time was you actually had to hit somebody. <laughs> Fucking great. Dennis Farina is, is the king. The uh, so basically, to describe what just happened, Bruce is sitting there smoking a cigar with some of his fat buddies. Uh, Dennis Farina's eating his steak, comes over and tells him to put their cigars out. They don't want to do it. He blows smoke in his face, so he breaks his finger. <laughs> and, and walks back to his table. Yep. Uh, so, I know, I know. <laughs> and then tells the guy it's going to cost him $10,000 more each for each of them um, in order to uh, pull off the, the killing. Sorry, my mind went blank there because this movie's just running through my head all at once. 
Which plot line are we on, man? Oh, yeah, exactly. I don't fucking That's know. Which plot line is it? Ah. He's, even got, he's even got Joe confused. Yeah. So, um, we see uh, Eddie and Snake at South Beach, and they see Arthur drive up in his um, in his Jaguar, which I'm not going to call it what they call it, but... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you can use your imagination, something that rhymes with Jaguar, or just Jag in general. Um, and they all seem to go to the Jolly Jackal, which, once again, they would now have to take from Miami, South Beach, across the MacArthur Causeway into downtown, then go through all of downtown, over across the river, up into, like, you know, um, Little Havana, Hialeah area, to get to even get near where this bar is at. So this is a long distance, but somehow they walk there and follow him there. Yeah, very convenient um, plot. It's very convenient. Plot Although convenient. it does start when it's daytime, and by the time they get there, it is pretty dark. So oh, maybe, okay. there you go. Maybe, um, the uh, Herc pulls up and he gets inside, walks inside the bar, and he asks the Russians for a missile, and they say they don't have the missile, and they can sell him a bomb. He opens it up, looks at it, and he says, "That's a garbage disposal." <laughs> <laughs> um, and he has ten thousand dollars. Uh, next, we go over to Bayside, which is another place I hung out quite frequently growing up. Um, it was just like the fucking places where the Hard Rock Cafe was. There was all kinds of stores there. It was like an outdoor mall um, right there in downtown Miami. Um, there was also great skating spots nearby because um, there was an amphitheater that was abandoned and everyone would skate in there. And then there was like a um, an abandoned park on the other side of it. Uh, now that's the, the, um, the David Beckham, whatever the race car raid thing is but it used to be this abandoned park called bicentennial park um the american airlines arena wasn't there at the time so that was just a big empty space of land uh and there was bayfront park there's just so many skate spots there it, it, like for skateboarders that was like the place um but digressing back into that i thought you know I'd bring some skating in to get eric's attention again because he's probably halfway out of this one <laughs> i'm hanging on no I, listen man i i did like this movie Spoiler alert. I enjoyed it. It's I, hard uh, not to like it. Like, I mean, it's bad. It's a bad movie. But it's so entertaining. Yeah, I was I was I was pleasantly surprised. The, um, you know. So now we meet Andy Richter's character, Pendick. That's his name. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> See, this was one of the pleasant surprises. I love this Andy Richter scene. <laughs> and he's he shows off his gun to like the other like security guard partner, even though he's not supposed to have it. And he also shows off a bottle of liquor that he's also not supposed to have, right. or and also not supposed to drink on the job. <laughs> um, and then Matt and Andrew are sitting there with their their squirt gun, um, talking about you know squirt and Jenny. And then we get over to back to the Jolly Jackal, and Henry and Leonard are sitting in the car, which. I'm just going to say this once right now because I'm going to forget to say it every other time. But it's a Honda Accord from the early 90s that they're sitting in. And it has the automatic seatbelts. <laughs> and the thing about the automatic seatbelts are, because I used to have this car. I had a 1990 Honda Accord. And I had the fucking automatic seatbelts. The seatbelt goes on backwards from a regular seatbelt. So, like, you normally, you know, you pull the seatbelt down and then click it in. This one comes from the front of the car and then pulls itself to the back. And then when you open the door, it goes back to the front. So every time Henry goes to get out of the car, <laughs> the fucking seatbelt hits him in the face. I hated those things. <laughs> oh, it makes me laugh. So, like, I don't know why. But these there's these radio skits that go throughout this entire story also. And I was saying earlier, as, you know, Miami Hurricanes were a good football team back then. 
you'd have these radio skits. So I'm going to play you the first of these radio skits. Just one brave Gator fan to call. Where are the Gator fans now? All you Gator fans call when you win, but now that you lose, you don't have the guts to call in. I'm waiting for one. Just one. What the hell are Gators? Football. College. Morons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a Gator fan, and I'm calling. And what do you have to say? Uh, well, you said we don't have the guts to call, and I'm calling. That's it. You're calling to say you're calling. Uh, yeah. God, this town gives me a headache. Why do you think he come here, a guy like that? Good job, nice house, plenty of cheese. What? What's he doing in a shithole like this? Maybe it's happy hour. Might as well have a bucket over my head. Keep walking. Don't do nothing stupid in there. As far as I'm concerned, this whole idea is stupid. I think we got gator fans. <laughs> I had a little play to that. I think we got Gator fans. <laughs> so fucking Snake and Eddie walk up. Uh, so they're sitting in outside the bar. They're watching uh, Hurt go into the bar. Uh, Eddie, Eddie and Snake start walking down the street. Um, and they, they, um, ugh, I lost my train of thought there again. Um, oh, that's right. Then it switches scenes again. <laughs> like this movie switches scenes so fucking fast. Um, now this, this is going to be a mess of an episode. Right. I apologize to anyone <laughs> listening right now. <laughs> now, it, to, to digress a little bit, Eddie, uh, played by Johnny Knoxville, this movie came out, when was this, like, in the jackass sort of realm of things? Was he, was this before or after that? This was, like, right before or, like, right at the beginning of jackass. Okay, all right. Like, he wasn't, like, known known for Johnny Knoxville yet, I don't believe. Like, he wasn't, like, the big Johnny Knoxville. He was in another movie uh, right close to the time this came out also. Um, what was that movie he was in? Um, I wrote it down, too, because I didn't want to forget it. But, uh, Jesus Wild. No, that's not what I'm thinking of, though. Uh, my brain. Uh, Men in Black. That's right. The other Barry Sonnenfeld Men movie. Men in Black 2. He was Men in the Black 2. One. He wasn't yeah. in the first one. So that was, that's right. Yeah, that was a couple. Yeah, it was, like, a year later. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. He was just in Men in Black 2, like, right after this movie came out. So, he, I guess he, he must have made Sonnenfeld happy with his, his, his character acting. Yeah. yeah, he did a pretty good job playing himself. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, you know, they, they say if you go do what you're good at, you never really work a day in your life. That's true. <laughs> you know that's what? not how that goes at all. <laughs> <laughs> that's not, yeah, it was close. What blows my mind is, like, I think we're, like, halfway through the cast of this movie. Because I'm thinking about all the characters that, you know, popped up in this thing. And we're still missing a few, right? We're still missing, uh, not to jump ahead, but our, our FBI agents. Yep. yep. Okay. Yeah, there's there's still more people to get introduced. Um, so, uh, it goes back to Bayside. Jenny shows up and Matt has a... Like, I don't know how he doesn't know his pants are fucking wet. Like, I mean, it looks like he pissed oh, himself. It, it was, they were soaked. I mean, like, just drenched. She's like, are you happy to see me? Of course. (laughs) So um, they say they can't do it right here. They have to go to the back parking lot, which I've been in that back parking lot fucking hundreds of times. That's where we used to, like, hang out and shit. Um, And then he goes, oh, I'm going to shoot you. And then uh, Andrew says, well, shoot her in the crotch so you guys match. And she goes, how about in the hand so I can get my first hand job? (laughs) It's, like, just so fucking forced. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I was dug on this one. So with this dialogue, I was okay, we get it. But, I mean, there's that snarky kind of fucking, like, uh, that's that's how these people talked back then. I mean, 
you know, everyone was, this is like the late two, or early 2000s, late 90s. Yep. Like, that's kind of how people were back then. I don't know. Uh, Doug, you might, for you, this might have been like, you're like, fucking kids. <laughs> so as, quite, but, as he's yeah. about to shoot her, Pendick shows up and shoots at them as they run away. Right. He just um, starts... He just starts going Andrew, off. like, ducks off and picks up the gun as Andy Richter, fuck, or Pendick falls out. I wrote Andy Richter. I was, I was trying not to write the real names. But yeah. as Pendick falls, uh, Andrew picks up his gun. And then just at that exact moment, officers Kramitz and Romero are driving by downtown and passing an intersection where just recently they got into a fight with somebody and Romero had her shirt ripped open and exposed to Bustier. Um, he couldn't get it. Kramitz could not get it out of his mind. And just... And she looked over and said, do you want to have sex? And he said, yes. And she goes, well, I don't want to. You're married. (laughs) They pull up um, and Andrew's running. Not happily. Yes. That's right. He goes, but not happily. (laughs) It's like so fucking like, oh, this movie. So Andrew runs out with the gun in his hand. um, Drop the gun. And then like he drops the gun. Pendick also runs up behind him. He's out of breath. Um he accidentally admits it's his gun, then tries to say, no, it's not, and then drops the bottle of alcohol and takes off running. He runs away. And then Kramitz chases him, chases him down. Yep. There's no way, like, an out-of-breath, like, Andy Richter's getting away from a Patrick yeah. Warburton. <laughs> like, that's just not going to happen. <laughs> um, but, like, just, when you think about these characters, like, interacting with each other, it's amazing. Like... Where else are you going to get all of these characters, like these, like individual, like these actors acting together? Yep. Yeah, so it's a wild cast. I'm looking at the cast list now. You start from Tim Allen and work your way down to Rene Russo, Stanley Tucci, and and like I said, you got the Kevin Smith element in there with uh, with Puggy, uh, or no, Jason Lee. Jason Lee. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and then you have like just young actors. Like Sofia Vergara, um, Zoe Deschanel, DJ Qualls, like these guys, like people are all people just now starting out in their careers, right? And then Janine Garofalo, it's full nineties, man. It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's at the top of her game. Patrick Warburton at this time, I mean, he probably had only been in a hundred things by this point. Now he's yeah, up to like right. two thousand. Um, I wonder how many times he's played a cop. <laughs> like, oh, it yeah, seems like he's an always agent. Yeah. a cop, or yeah, some kind of like law enforcement agent. Um, of course, everyone knows him primarily from Family Guy as yeah. as Joe Putty. Yep. So we go back to the Jackal, where Snake and Eddie bust in and rob the place. Um, they there's they go to the register and he's like, "Get the money." He goes, "Which which one? <laughs> this one or this one?" <laughs> and the Russian guy's like, "Slow day." <laughs> I, the Russian guy's like, "I love their like their responses to everything." Um, so. He goes, give me your wallet to Arthur. He keeps calling him the kingpin also, which is kind of funny. Um, throws the wallet, hits him in the face, and falls in the suitcase. <laughs> throws the watch, hits him in the face, falls in the suitcase. Throws his keys, hits him in the face, and falls in the suitcase. <laughs> uh, it's like comedy rule three there. Um, and speaking of the third time something happens, he opens it up and sees the garbage disposal. <laughs> which, it's funny that all these different people think Colin's seeing a garbage disposal. Yeah. Um... He says, I think I hear one of those silent alarms. <laughs> That's a good line. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, Snake, I think I hear one of them silent alarms going off. Uh, they make Puggy go with them as well as Herc. And on the way out, they accidentally shoot the TV. 
um, which is another comedy role of because they're that's the second TV now that's been destroyed in this in this movie by a bullet hole, and there is going to be a third one. No, don't worry. Um, they go back to Herc's place because they want to rob his house because he's probably got all kinds of good stuff at the house. And, and meanwhile, they leave the ten thousand dollars in the briefcase sitting right between the Russians. I know. <laughs> they walk out. Yeah. Um, outside, we go back to uh, Henry in um, in uh, Leonard, and you get this scene of what I assume would be Doug telling a joke. <laughs> and a Japanese doctor says, "Rady, you have Ed Zachary disease." And the lady goes, oh, no, Ed Zachary disease, what does it mean? And the doctor says, it means your face, Rook, Ed Zachary Reich, your ass. Get it? Your face, Rook, Ed Zachary Reich, your ass. (laughs) (laughs) Who thinks they shit up, huh? The funniest thing in that... All the gators ever do is talk trash. Then when they lose, you don't hear a peep out of all. Gator fan, and I'm talking to you right now, so watch your problem. You said we don't have the guts to call, and I'm calling. That's Sony's These guys need a hobby. Here comes the best part. There's our guy. And I believe that's Tarzan. Where do you think they're going? Our boy's house? Ed Zachary. <laughs> Ed Zachary. <laughs> I had a little place with the Ed Zachary part, sorry. No, I mean, the funniest, the funniest line in that is, who makes this shit up? <laughs> whoa! He, he like, whoa, and puts his hands in the air. Exactly. Your and, Dennis uh, Freeman's face is just like, oh, shut the fuck up already. Yeah, but like, that's, you can tell, like, this isn't the one the first time he's heard a joke. Like, this joke. No, exactly. It's just what they do all the time. Um, yeah, it's like they, they sit there and wait, and he just tells fucking stupid jokes and stupid stories, and they try to listen to the radio, and it's just a fucking guy calling about <laughs> the Gators. But that, that Gator fan is Sonnenfeld. Yeah, he did exactly. That. And then Dave Barry, I think, is the host. Uh, no, it's some somebody Copen or something. Oh, okay, um, all right. Dave Dave Copen or something like that is the guy oh, who Dan, plays the host. Dan Copen or David Cope, David which Cope. he is actually a uh, actual sports announcer. Also, okay, if right, in the Miami area. Um, but yeah, Barry Sonnenfeld is the Gator fan that keeps calling in. <laughs> uh, well, well, you calling in? Well, why? Well, what do you want to say? Well, you said I wouldn't call. In. <laughs> it's like, how long can this fucking conversation go on for? <laughs> oh, you'll find out because it goes on even more. <laughs> later in the movie. I'd also like to comment on uh, Dennis Farina's pronunciation of the word Tarzan. It was, it was, I've never heard it pronounced like that before. I what, love it. Tarzan? Tarzan. Yeah, yeah Tarzan. That's, uh, that's a New York thing. Tarzan. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, Tarzan. I was, where do you think they're going? Back to the his house? Ed Zachary. Yeah, I, <laughs> I like how he always takes, like, the first time he, like, took, like, he's like, oh, what are those? Gator fans. This time he's like, where are they going? Back to his house? Ed Zachary. So he takes, like, the joke that's been setting up the entire scene and then just uses it as a punchline. Yes. Um, and actually, I, like I, I got to correct myself. Um, Dennis Freed is from Chicago. So that's is he? A, yeah, that's a, he was born in Chicago, so that's a Chicago wow. thing. He that's seems Tarzan. like a New Yorker. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, attitude-wise, Chicago and New York are pretty close together. But, yeah, yeah, but pizza-wise, they're really far apart. Uh, yeah, there's a difference, but they're both good. And I mean, one, one of those cities makes pizza, <laughs> and one of them fucking makes a giant, disgusting swimming pool of sauce. Well, it's a casserole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, right, I'm sorry we're pissing off all the Chicago, the, Chicago the Chicago listeners. Um, yeah. But, yeah. No, your, your pizza is disgusting. You and do so make some your good hot, hot dogs. dogs. Yeah, no, your hot dogs are gross. Pickles have know. no business being on. Get out of here. 
And somebody corrected me once on this on my other show, but the the topping mixture that goes on a Chicago hot dog is called jardinera. It's like it's like the it's like the Chicago uh, condiment. It's like a mixture of all kinds of fucking things. And someone corrected that at me, and I can't remember who it was, but I was like, no, that's it's called jardinera. Yeah. Chicago call in. Yep. <laughs> um, five five five. One two six nine. Of course, it always starts at five 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 in movies. Yes. Um, so we go back to Bayside, where now uh, Kramitz is over talking to a Miss Heather Weintraub, who uh, <laughs> is another fucking famous actress. She is. Yeah, isn't that uh, what's her name from um? What was that show? <sighs> no, God. you are definitely not thinking about the right person because she ain't that famous. What's uh yeah? Well, I gotta look this up now. What the, her name? Her was. name is Natalie Rose. She's been in two things her whole life. Really? The last one was two thousand six. Well, she looks like someone else that I'm thinking of, but I can't fucking think of her name. Um, yeah, I'm not sure, but I can't think. There's someone else that looks exactly like her that that was had a TV show back in the day. Um, well, she looks just like her. Well, I wish it was her because Natalie Rose, boo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, Natalie Rose. Sorry, I don't really. But I'm sorry. wow, I mean. I'm I mean, sure Kramitz, you're a lovely person. I mean, I'm sure Kramitz did. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh! So Romero, uh, who is uh, Jenny Groffalo, it's weird calling her Romero for some reason. But uh, she asks Andrew where Matt and Jenny are, and Andrew's kind of shocked to find out. Like, how do you know about this? Um, right. And then she tells Kramitz we got to go, and he's trying to get you know his like groove on over there. Uh, but he he like walks up to her and says, "No, I want to drive the car now." Like, she always drives, but, like, now he wants to drive the car. And uh, he pulls off, like, like, just burns out. Um, now, this movie's about to start getting really fucking crazy. So <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Starting to. No, no, no. It's It's been going, like, kind of sane. It's about to go fucking crazy. Just, just to give you guys a heads up, this is when, like, the whole thing just goes into the next fucking gear. It just literally, like, upshifts right now. So we're at the Herc residence. And Elliot is there berating Matt about their game. And Elliot goes in the kitchen to call uh, the police because he's trying to, like, find out what happened to Andrew and, like, let them know, like, you know, oh, this is this thing again. Don't, like, worry. He's not actually someone out there doing something. Um, there's a new TV in the house because, of course, you know, Arthur can't miss Zena. Right. Um, Henry and Leonard pull up. He gets hit in the face with the seatbelt again as he gets out of the car. Uh, the police put Elliot on hold. And then Anna starts talking about how she's getting a divorce, which this is, like, all over the scene. Like, I'm assuming this only took place over a couple of days. Like, this couldn't have been, like, a very long time in between. And yeah. she's already, like, I-, I met you, like, a couple of days ago, and now I'm getting a divorce to, like, get with you. Um, then all of a sudden, Eddie, Snake, Arthur, and uh, and Puggy uh, walk in and um, accidentally shoot the TV again. There's your third TV she getting shot. Um now, I love the commentary on what's going on by Henry as he watches through the scope of the rifle. Because he starts, like, basically narrating the entire events of what's going on in this house in a very comical manner. Um, yes. So, uh, uh, there's... What was the Martha Stewart joke that was in there? There was a joke about Martha Stewart somewhere. Because I wrote Martha Stewart joke, but I don't remember what it is. Oh, come on. Um... I just know there's another Martha Stewart joke in there. Uh, and then the phone gets unplugged and he, he gets hung up on the police. And then Eddie starts trying to uh, 
tie knots and he's asking them what kind of knot they want. <laughs> and like Snake's like, what are you, some kind of Boy Scout or something? Are you going, are you going for your badge or something like that? Yeah. Um, we're back at the Jackal again. The Russians are just sitting at a TV with a bullet hole in it. <laughs> and we get introduced to two more characters, Mr. Omar Epps and Heavy D as the FBI agents. They come in and the Russian guy just looks at them and they're like, they're like decked out in like these like nice ass suits and they go, Baptist Church down the street. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Which, that shit makes me laugh so much. Um, so the FBI threatens the Russian guys that they need to show them like their weapons and this and that. They're looking for a bomb. The Russian guys ask for a warrant. They the the, the FBI guy laughing goes, "We got this thing called Special Executive Order Seven Six Eight Dash O Four. Basically, they can do whatever they want. There's no lawyers, you know. Which, ironically enough, this is a precursor to the Patriot Act. Ooh. Yeah, that's true. So once again, this is this movie predicting the future, like the near future too, not like even that far away in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, they can do whatever they want. They can shoot you. I, I think I can shoot you right now, and 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 like it would be fine. Would that be fine? Yeah, you could shoot you right now. <laughs> so they uh, go into the back room um, and realize that the suitcase with the bomb in it is not there. Dun dun dun. <laughs> We jump quickly back over to the Herc residence where Romero and Kramitz show up and Snake like basically like holds him at gunpoint the second they walk in the door. Um, and then Henry and Leonard are once outside and Henry's talking about the morons again. Moron 1 did this, Moron 2 did that. <laughs> um, Elliot like is in the kitchen. He pulls the squirt gun and takes the bottle off and like thinks it looks like a regular gun so he's going to like go save the day with this squirt gun. Right. And he holds it up to, to Eddie's head. Um and uh, Ed, he's like, oh, he tries to be like, I don't remember what he says, like Mr. Tough Guy speech. So basically, like, go ahead and I'll shoot him or something like that. And then like, um, Snake's watching him and sees the drip down. He goes, don't worry, just go ahead, shoot him. Shit, I'll do it for you. And he grabs the gun and starts spraying him with water. Yes. Goes back outside to Henry. And Henry's like, moron two just got moron one all wet. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then uh, Leonard's like, oh, you usually got to pay for something like that. <laughs> I didn't pick up on that line the first. <laughs> uh. Usually, you gotta pay to see something like that. Um, it goes back to the jackal where they see that there's no suitcase in the back room. The FBI shoots the Russian guy in the foot, and they tell them where it went to, which is a uh, Herc's house. Um, back at the Herc's house again, Snake and Eddie now take Puggy and Jenny, and they're trying to go to the Bahamas. They go take the cop car. Um, they tell Arthur to give him his money, and they cuff Romero and Arthur to the bookshelf which that's a very like crazy bookshelf that it's like solid brass or something and like it can't come apart yeah um, he says he's gonna, <laughs> he's gonna take the cop car instead of the jag <laughs> um, and they put Puggy into the trunk with the box um, as they leave um, which is funny because it's stupid uh you know, the car's in reverse, but he has to take the handbrake off, which I've never found a handbrake on any vehicle that actually works like that. Like, yeah, if you put the car in gear, it's not a pedal that makes the car stop. It's a pedal that makes the car smell bad, <laughs> which is a joke I just stole from Mitch Hedberg. <laughs> Mitch Hedberg goes, I don't know what this, I got this lever in my car and when I pull it up, it makes my car smell bad. <laughs> Uh, rest in peace, Mitch Hedberg. He was uh, one of my favorite favorite comedians ever. He is missed. Yeah, he, he was amazing because he could 
he was a master of taking something not funny and making it funny. Oh, the delivery. It was all about the delivery with him. You know, yep. and yeah, he was great. So uh, Nina comes in, cuts uh, free Anna, Matt, Elliot, and Kramitz. Um, and then Arthur and Romero get left there. But as Walter is like walking out, he just gives Romero a car and says, Can you call Miss Heather Weintraub and tell her to be late for our date? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Doesn't like unhook her or anything, just leaves her there. Yeah. Uh, so um, Henry and Leonard are, are like, We got the best opportunity now to shoot Arthur. So, like, but he's like attached to a cop. So they're, they're, Romero and Arthur are trying to get out, out of the house to like call for help. So they walk up to the door. They're going to fall through the sliding door. Um, as they fall through, Henry does take a shot, um, but he doesn't hit them, obviously. Because um, Roger bites him. That's right. Roger bites him as he's shooting right in the balls. <laughs> and he misses. And then they fall down. And then the bufo toad that's outside sprays Arthur in the face. Um, at this point, um, the FBI agents, which are Pat Greer and Alan Sykes, show up. And they start questioning um, Arthur on what's going on, but Arthur is tripping balls out from the Bufetin, yes. and Roger has now converted into Martha Stewart and is saying, Herc, Herc, Herc. And he's like, <laughs> She knows my name. <laughs> That's where half of your budget went for this movie. Was yeah, the, exactly. The CGI on this was. Uh, yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's this dog with Martha Stewart's face on it, <laughs> which, uh,. Martha Stewart was a good sport in this movie. Because <laughs> she actually did, like, do all these scenes in the movie. Yeah. She's um, always been pretty good about doing that. She, she well, yeah, her and Snoop Dogg now. You know, and, and, and making those kind of appearances. So that's pretty cool. Well, she is a gangster. That's true. <laughs> um, so Romero uh, knows where the suitcase is and tells the FBI girls to take it with her. Or take her with them, and they say, "Well, this is a federal matter." And she goes, "Well, if you don't uncuff me, I could take your federal matter and shove it up your federal ass." <laughs> uh, which is another great line from her. Yeah. Um, now we're on our way to the airport, um, and like I'm saying, this this movie's flying by at this point. Like we're like three quarters of the way into the movie, and like just everything's randomly happening as fast as it possibly can. Uh, Snake and Eddie cause an accident on the freeway, which a bunch of goats come out and start walking across the freeway now. Um. The FBI agents and Romero are in the car, and they talk about how this suitcase is actually a nuclear bomb. Snake and Eddie can't figure out if they want to go to the arrivals or departures. <laughs> Elliot hits a, hits a goat with the geo and then drives onto the wrong side of the road. Um, the FBI talks about the nuke at the Jackal and mentions that it has three switches that if they get flipped on, it'll set it off. Snake and Eddie crash the cop car and then end up shooting the radio. They take Puggy out of the trunk and tell him to bring the suitcase. Um... Elliot says, I don't want a ticket. And Kramit says, I can't write them if I don't see them. And he covers his eyes up. <laughs> and then Henry and Leonard are stuck in traffic. And guess what comes on the radio? I don't remember. We're going to miss our flight. You see what the problem is? I don't know. There's some kind of commotion up there. There might be something about it on the radio. Not now, not tonight. But when they play a game and lose, I don't hear a peep from Gator fans. Well, you're not hearing what I'm saying. I'm saying that I am a Gator fan, and I'm calling you now, okay? So I don't understand what the problem is, or are you just not... (laughs) (laughs) I had to let the goat fucking... (laughs) So, yeah, the Gator fan shit on the fucking radio. Once again, (laughs) um, a goat walks by, and, um, and, uh... 
I lost my place on my paper here. Jeez. <laughs> oh, right after that, the seatbelt hits his face again. That's and right. The seatbelt yes, hits his face yes, again because exactly. he gets out of the car. His, like, his non-reaction to it is so funny. Yeah, he's just like... It's like the same the Ed Zachary reaction. He's just like <laughs> staring out the window. Uh, so, uh, Snake, Eddie, Jenny, and Puggy are now into the airport and they're trying to get tickets to the Bahamas. There's a girl at the register who looks just completely disinterested in everything. And he hands her just wad of money and says, I want four tickets to the Bahamas. And she goes, Nassau or Freeport? And he goes, uh, the Bahamas. And she's like, well, Nassau and Freeport are in the Bahamas. <laughs> He's like, well, everyone leaves first. And then basically tells her that all of their name is John Smith. Right. And uh, she's like, it, I need to see ID. And he just hands her a wad of cash. She took so much fucking money. It's well, ridiculous. yeah, it's great because the, the computer is out of order. <laughs> and she printed those tickets so fast, too. I know. Because I didn't even see her print the tickets. She just, all right, Smith family, here you go. <laughs> and hands them the tickets. Um, TSA, which um, I, I think Doug was in the scene working there at this point. In yeah, time. exactly. It was, there was no TSA then. But uh, yeah. things were different. Airport back security in the day. at the point in time. Yeah. Um, somehow lets him get through with a nuclear bomb and a gun, uh, which he turns the nuclear bomb on to show that it's a garbage disposal for. Right. Get this, grinding up your trash while you're not at home. Yeah. <laughs> why would it's on a timer so you could grind? But it, why wouldn't it be at your house then if it's on a timer? Like why would you have it with you? Why would you need a timer for something you have with you? Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they're probably too busy trying to hit on Brooke Shields, so... Well, yeah, it happens. You get distracted. Uh, so the, at this point, the timer comes on the screen. Now we have a countdown to the end of the movie. It says 45 minutes on the timer, even though the movie actually isn't another 45 minutes, only about another 15 minutes tops. Um, back to the Geo. It felt like they 45, spot the, though. Yeah, it does, because it's going so fucking fast. <laughs> Me typing this out, I gave up on, like, scenes. I gave up on names. I'm just like, type, 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 type. I'm trying to, like, type my notes. Joe, Joe didn't get uh, that, Eric. <laughs> oh, I got it. Okay. I got it. Um, back in the Geo, they spot the cop car. They run into the airport. Then Matt says, the goat kicked the Geo's ass. And, the, and Ellie goes, I get it. It's a piece of shit. <laughs> Henry and Leonard are now walking to the airport bus because of the goats. He slams a $100 bill on the window of the bus, which stops and takes him into the airport. Uh, the FBI then pulls up next to a giant yellow Hummer and the road's blocked. And guess who's in the Hummer? Yeah, there you go. Barry's back. It's Bruce. Bruce, Bruce, Bruce and his fat back. buddies again. And he's got some like crazy racist like country music playing as loud as he possibly can. <laughs> and his broken finger now is like bandaged up. So it looks like he's flipping them off when the door, when the, when the, uh, window opens. Yep. Um, now, uh, the, he learns what uh, special executive order seven, six, eight dash Oh four is the hard <laughs> way as he gets thrown out of his summer and it gets, uh, you know, taken by the FBI. Uh, at this point, Matt, Nina, Elliot, Anna, and Kramitz all run into the airport. Kramitz runs into Pendix Twin at the airport security. Yeah, that's great. Um, makes a joke about, uh, I don't remember what the joke is even, but he's like, do you have a brother, that a twin that works at Bayside? Um, what, what does he say? Oh, I'm a cop. Like, he's, where's your badge? Right. Where's your, ba- where's your badge? Where's your belt and gun? Your gun and, and belt. Well, they were taking Oh, then me. he's like, are you going to, like, help me? Or are you going to sit there on your lazy ass or something like that? Right. Oh, oh no, you got to get that line right because that. I paused the movie. That shit made me laugh so hard. Hold on. <laughs> I can find this. Uh, I'm, I'm lost in a sea of notes, man. Yeah, There's I know. There's too it's much crazy. going on. But that line, dude. It, oh, it, I got I got you. Well, we can't help you, can we? Yeah, twin brother works at Bayside. Maybe. 
I need to use your phone. That's for airport security personnel and cops only. I am a cop. Can't you see the uniform? Where's your badge? It was stolen. Where's your gun, your flashlight? They were stolen too. Look, are you going to help me or are you going to be a big, fat, stupid asshole? <laughs> Strip search. <laughs> <laughs> are you going to help me or are you going to be a big, fat, stupid asshole? Oh, I love it. Oh, it's so great. Um, so at this point, he gets strip searched uh, in in the airport. Now we're on fly by air twenty thirty eight to Freeport. I love and that name. <laughs> a young Will Forte is sitting there at the gate. Oh, as I didn't even notice that. As Will Forte, yeah. Oh crap! Didn't even notice um, that. Interesting. And they bribe him to take the suitcase on the plane because they don't want to check it. That um, was Will right. Forte, really. It looked like him. No, no, I, mean, no, I, I don't. I'm not doubting you. I just think that's a, that's amazing because he was super young then. I mean, I'm, unless I'm just getting my my actors messed up and this is a whole Natalie Rose situation all over again. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. I'm starting to doubt you. Hold on. Yeah, I'm looking. Oh, no, uh, that uh, wasn't Will Forte. Are you sure? Yeah, that was. Uh, it looked just like Will Forte. I'm pretty sure it was. I mean, I've been wrong the- a lot of times <laughs> in my life. I'm not finding him in the cast list at all. Oh, uh, come on. Don't do not do this to me. Don't oh, do this no. To His me. name was Mark Salem. Fly by really? air baggage handler. No way. Yeah. And it looks like another one where like he met, might have done two things. <laughs> maybe oh, this no. is like, maybe this is a it's pen Will name. Forte stunt double. Yeah, there yeah maybe. Go. I mean, it looks so much like him. It is ridiculous if, it, if it's not. Like, I still am like, not believing it's not him. Yeah. I mean, the cast list anyway is saying... That it's not, but you never know. Strike two. God, man, I'm just like, like, this movie's making me blind to the shit I don't see. (laughs) (laughs) Like, making me blind to shit I don't see. That's pretty funny. Like, no, there's no way that's not him. Like, I was like, so like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I'm I'm done. Like, I I, I give up. I I can't be this wrong about everything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We crushed his spirit, Eric. It's not... Well, the guy looks like Will Forte. If you watch the movie and you want to pretend it's better, just pretend it's Will Forte, there and then you, you can like you can think that you're like, ah, oh, that's fucking great. Um, I even wrote Will Forte in my notes because I thought it was him because it looks exactly like him. Cross it out. Cross it out. All right, so Snake bribes this other guy who's not Will Forte but looks exactly like him to take the suitcase on the airplane. The uh, timer now hits 26 minutes as the suitcase is loaded onto the plane. Um, Puggy, at this point, runs away because he's like, I'm done, and gets the fuck out of there. Um, and he goes and finds uh, Nina and Matt, who then run into Elliot and Anna and tell them that Jenny's on the plane. The pilots are, in, are sitting in the front of the plane. They announce the flight, and he gets them the flight number wrong like every single time. Um, and that they're getting ready to leave. Snake pulls into the front and says, take off now. Um, that 09er looks good to the runway. Uh, the FBI now pulls up with Romero and Henry and Leonard are getting out of a bus, and just like in the beginning, they drop the gun yeah. <laughs> out of the golf bag. Um, and the FBI agent's like, it's your jurisdiction, you deal with this. So Romero pull, picks up the gun, pulls the firing pin out, hands it back to them, and says, go ahead. And then they're like, you know, Miami sucks, but the cops are kind of nice. Yes. Um. We go back to the plane. Snake tells the pilots to take off at gunpoint. Snake sees Elliot and Anna and shoots at them, which actually gives Elliot a way to get out onto the tarmac because he shoots the window open that was previously closed. Um, The pilots call into the tower that there's a gun on the plane, which is important because that's how they know which plane they're on. 
Uh, Elliot now is taking off down the runway, running after the plane, and Anna's running to find everyone else. Um, the awesome song Feet Can't Fail Me Now comes on, which uh, every time that comes on, it gets me going. Um, and then Anna like runs on the conveyor belt going one way as Matt's going the other way on the other conveyor belt, and they start like walking like backwards towards each other to stay in the same spot. And he goes, where's my dad? And she points at the runway, and he's running after the plane. <laughs> yes. Somehow he makes it to the plane, which still has the staircase down, and jumps on board and hides behind the back seat. Now the FBI agent walks in, and he sees this uh, airport security standing at a pole, and he threatens them, basically. And his threats are, or his threats are a little more well taken than the ones from uh, Kramitz, who's now in strip search mode. Exactly. <laughs> Asks where the suitcase is. Uh, they go to the gate and then realize that the plane had already taken off. We get another uh, view of the timer, which is now at 1126, and the FBI agents call Homestead Air Force Base, which was a massive Air Force Base in Miami. Uh, that's a very accurate uh, portrayal. Um, during Hurricane Andrew, that Air Force Base got tore the fuck up. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Homestead got tore up in general, too, though. Right. Uh, Homestead's like I a very southern that. part of Miami. Um, Anna, Anna um, or he calls the Air Force Base, tells the fighters to get up in the air, basically. So then Anna now tells the FBI that there's people on the plane, like his, her daughter and, like, Elliot. Uh, and Puggy says the suitcase is on that plane, and uh, they turned it on. They flipped all the switches on. Uh, the timer now says seven eleven. Elliot is on the plane. He grabs a fire extinguisher and hits Eddie in the head, knocking him out with it. Um, the FBI does confirm that the plane is on the radar, and says that he may need to shoot the plane down, and Romero questions him about it, and says they have three minutes left to get that suitcase off the plane, basically. Um, Snake then goes back to find out what the hell's going on, why he hasn't closed the door yet, and sees uh, Eddie laying on the floor, and is like, Get up, Eddie, why are you sleeping? And gets sprayed with a fire extinguisher. <laughs> um, then the plane, the pilots make contact with the tower, and the tower tells them to get the suitcase off of that plane. Uh, Jenny jumps on Snake and wrestles him as the pilots continue to yell, along with the rest of the passengers, to get the suitcase off the plane. Um, the timer's now at one minute, and Elliot is struggling to get the suitcase off the plane, because apparently the suitcase is extremely heavy, and Jason Lee is the strongest person on Earth. Because <laughs> he's the only person who can lift this thing by himself. Um, the fighter pilots lock onto the plane, and then as Elliot finally gets the, the box clear to push it out of the plane, Snake dives out and catches it and then holds onto the ladder. Yeah. And he's like, come on, dude, just let go of the fucking suitcase. And he's like, I'm not letting go of the kingpin suitcase. Uh, so Elliot releases the staircase and lets Snake fall into the ocean with the bomb. The fighters then break off, and, and Snake's falling down, and then you have this really peaceful, aww, scene of him flying down into the water. Smiling the whole way. Smiling the whole way, <laughs> and as he hits the water and sinks down with the uh, suitcase, the timer counts on to zero, and the bomb explodes and makes this giant mushroom cloud right. <laughs> of water. And the Miami area loses uh, all of its uh, sea life. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um that in well no i'm not even gonna go there but there might okay. have been some people in the water because that is a very busy area of exactly yeah yep. um especially since they said if that bomb goes off over cuba there's going to be an incident so right or is it the cuba or the bahamas well it's closer to cuba it's got to be cuba well the bahamas are actually way closer but but i think he says cuba which is really weird because yeah. they wouldn't fly over cuba to get to the bahamas that's odd anyways i'm digressing again here we gotta get this movie over with. 
You said uh, it, not I, us. <laughs> I know I love this movie, but I know everyone else probably hates it by this point. Um, we get an outro montage. Uh, Elliot's getting off the plane as Jenny is ta- just talking him up. Like, oh, can you believe Matt's dad did this? And Matt's dad did this? And Matt's dad did this? So Matt finally shows Elliot respect. And uh, Elliot's like, well, I had to do this and do this and do this. But now he finally respects me. And it's worth it. Right. Um, the FBI a- agents come up to him and says, the president wants to thank you. He can't give you a medal, but he wants to send you some cowboy boots with a W on them. Yeah. Uh, Eddie ends up in jail where he meets a new friend and they're making like armpit farts. Uh, Kramitz is running through the airport naked and discovers he should become a stripper. And then marries Heather Weintraub and always throws her the pouch. Yes. Uh, I love this next scene. Uh, Henry and Leonard are now on a plane, which I'm assuming they're going back to Jersey, New York. But for some reason, the plane's full of Gator fans. Right. And the song that's playing is actually the Gators fight song. Like, that's not some random, like, bands on. That's the song that the Gators play every time they, they get a touchdown or anything like that. And I've heard that song so many freaking times that it drives me insane because it's always <laughs> played here. Um, like, people drive around with their car just listening to that randomly here. Because wow. uh, I do live in Gainesville. Um, I cannot yeah. relate. At all. And they they uh, refer to the Miami th- trip as a low point of their career. Yeah. And the plane can't take off because there's goats on the runway. <laughs> <laughs> um, next, we get the conveyor belt scene of Jenny and Matt together, Elliot and Anna together, and Nina and Puggy together. And uh, Elliot and Anna were apparently married a week later. So that divorce attorney must have been good. Yeah, he was good. He was definitely good. Yep. And now you get Arthur pulling this heavy bookshelf down the street, being chased by Roger and Martha Stewart. And she's like, arugula, arugula. <laughs> that I don't know me, why that's that, funny. That made me chuckle. I think partly because it was finally the end of the movie. But it was also, <laughs> it was also funny. I, I did uh, like that. I did like that bit. Yep. And that is big trouble. It's a movie about absolutely nothing. And yep. everything. Yeah. And, at the yep. same time, everything. My advice is read the book. It's probably much better. Yeah, I actually ordered the book today. <laughs> okay. I got it for $3 off eBay. That's, wow, you paid that's too much, but okay. And it's no. a hardcover. Ooh, all right. That's yeah. a bargain. I'm excited to read this book now. Uh, and then uh, hopefully it's good and I can read other Dave Barry books. Yeah, Dave Barry's a great writer, so the, uh, it's why I honestly think the book is, is much better. Yeah, I mean, it can't be much worse. <laughs> and, and now I'm telling you, I absolutely love this movie, even though it's a bad movie. It's one of those bad movies I love. Everybody has those in, in, yeah. in their movie library, <laughs> mental yeah. movie library. A, so definitely. let's let's uh, let's go to our grades. Okay. So once again, our grading system is a zero to five, zero being terrible, five being amazing. Um, I'll save mine for last. Which okay. one of you guys wants to go first? I'll go. Um, I am going to plant this almost right in the middle. I'm going to give it a three out of five. Uh, just because of the pedigree of, you know, the writer, the director, and the cast. They did the best they could, especially the cast. They did the best they could with uh, what they were offered. So, yep, I'm planting myself right there at, at a three. All right. That's a good score. Better than I expected. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, I enjoyed this movie. You know, it it wasn't... I wouldn't even call it a bad movie. Um, it was just, like, I'm dizzy right now thinking about the plot. Um, it was like... It was just like 90s crash, you know what I mean? Like, it was... 
Yeah. There's a lot going it's on. It's a mad, mad world. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm well, going to give it tried this movie, to be that. <laughs> it definitely tried. But it was funny. I mean, it like you said, the deadpan humor and, you know, the star-studded cast. I mean, it, it had a lot going for it. I'm going to give it a 2.9. Okay. All right. Just so slightly under the three mark. Yeah, um, listen, there's Joe, there's plenty of movies out there that are way, way stinkier bad. So, yeah. you know. Well, it, one of the movies yeah. I heard this movie compared to is Dr. Strangelove. Um, okay. Well, all the I way down to the bomb scene at the end where he's riding the bomb. Yeah. I, I, yeah, that's fine. Doctor Strange Love is one of my favorites, so I, I, I wouldn't dare insult that movie. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I did hear that comparison. Somewhere. No, I get it. I mean, story-wise, yes, on a very, very limited scale, it has some plot points and some references that might link together. But yeah, yeah. All right, so I absolutely love this movie. I always have since I first saw it. I've watched this movie. I don't even know how many times, and I'm never bored. So like. That's for me. That's that's like what makes a movie for me is if I can watch the movie over and over and over and not be like and not be like I'm done with this movie. Like I've like to watch this movie like eight times this week. <laughs> like, <laughs> like every time, like ah, Gator fans. <laughs> like, so um, that being said, I do understand though. This is not a cinematic masterpiece. Okay. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not like I'm not blind to that fact, and it's not a very well thought out plot. Right. It does have a bunch of like bad jokes um, that you know if you don't get the joke or you don't like that joke or it's not your style of humor, it's not going to hit. And so, all that I understand and I will concede to. As far as the score, though, I'm giving this a four just because I love it so much. And that's like me holding back because I want to give it a higher score, but I know I shouldn't. <laughs> like, I know I shouldn't, but I want to so bad. I can respect that completely, though. I can. Um, I mean, you know, some of my scores from earlier movies were definitely bumped up a notch or two because of sentimental reasons or whatever. So, I, I yeah. no, I respect that score from you. I get it. Now, I am giving the Banyan Tree a five. <laughs> for trees like if we're grading trees it's getting I can help five you. on my tree list i can help you there and agree with you you know it's after cool seeing it now tree. that's a cool friggin' tree well yeah man i could hear all the nostalgia in your voice as you talked about this movie yes. and all these places that you you know you have this emotional connection to i totally get it man yep yeah like this this was like where i grew up like this is like my shit like i'm like i yeah. know every location in this movie like i've yeah. been to every location in this movie no, that does make it very cool. So I totally respect, totally respect the score. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't even remember what I was going to say next. Uh, Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> no. Is there um, another plot thread that we didn't go over? No, please no. Oh yeah, you, you missed you missed the entire Gator scene where they like played the football game. Oh God. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite quote from the movie, though? Well, my favorite quote from the movie is definitely that that airport scene uh, that you played for me. That, yeah, that got I gotta a say, big chuckle out of me. Where like, "Are you gonna help me? You're just gonna sit there and be a big stupid asshole." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because that that definitely rose above the base, you know, double entendre humor that they were trying for the rest of the flick. Yeah, you know what I mean. That so yeah, I I got to agree with Eric. I think that was that was the high point comically for that movie. Uh, it's. 
because I love that one too. But it's, it, I also like the fart on your entree. Line. Yeah, yeah that was I mean good. that's perfectly delivered by Dennis Farina, and, or, a, and a lot of the lines from um, Janine Garofalo. I mean, you know. Oh yeah, Janine Garofalo. The yeah. like, uh, so I'm kind of busy holding my dick and all. <laughs> right. I mean, there's some fun. There's definitely some solid funny in this. But movie. also, like, the whole Bruce thing. It's got a girl. She's in a bikini. She has yeah. big tits. <laughs> I mean, she has big tits. It's like yeah. the way he says it. Or got room for a third. I mean, there's just I can't. There's yeah. too many. Do you I know can't. he played he played the doctor in Office Space that croaks in the beginning. Oh, that's, that's right. right. That's him. I forgot about that. You yeah. know what this movie reminds me of? There's movies that I love to that that I think are in the same vein, like '90s comedies that weren't yeah. generally like well received. But I saw them at the right time. So, right. like, uh, a good example for me is Almost Heroes with Chris Farley. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, that wasn't, you know, considered one of his, his best movies. But I saw it with my cousin at the right time. And we thought it was so funny, just yeah. the one-liners, that we would take a, a handheld tape recorder and just record them and play them over and over again. <laughs> so, it's you know, I, 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 can, yeah. I can definitely get on board with why this movie gives you a you know the warm fuzzies and it, and it was funny it was definitely funny um so yeah so i think this boils down to like if if you like this movie you're a fan of movies that are quotable but not necessarily plot driven right yeah i think that's fair like like a movie like another one i'd, I'd put the similar to was like how high i love how high yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. quotable but the plot is fucking a piece of shit <laughs> yeah. or like um, any movie with norm mcdonald in it Oh right, God, yeah, right, yeah. See, I, I, I don't, I don't care if a movie has zero type of like sensical plot as long as there's good quotes in it. Mm-hmm. I think it's like it's the equivalent also of like Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It like it's not about the plot; it's about like what's going like the random shit that's going on. Like right. I love random ridiculous shit. I love absurd absurdity. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's the word absurdism. Well, that, that sums up this the plot of this movie. I so I get yeah. it. Yep, it's ridiculous and absurd, and has no reason to have ever existed. Yet it did. Yeah. Yep. It's kind of like my other podcast that uh, we're going to go through our plugs now. So I do have another podcast called Just Surprise Me, which is basically this movie as a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. It's, it's a sh- it's a it's a sh- it's a well formed shit show. Yep, but there are a bunch of quotes and a bunch of misinformation. Oh, tons of that. <laughs> <laughs> tons of that. Uh, how about how about you, uh, Doug? You wanna you wanna go ahead and plug your? Uh... Yeah, I got this podcast called Masters of the Cinematic. You know, oh fuck. I'm oh sorry. shit, is it any good? <laughs> yeah, it's all right. It's we're getting the hang of it. We hit it. We hit a bit of a clunker in the last episode. <laughs> you mean this episode? <laughs> no, I wouldn't mean that show. No. Uh, yeah, so I, I'll, I'll plug my, my pedal company, 37 Effects, Fat Guy Little Coat Fuzz. Um, you know, I'm doing cool things, a lot of custom colors for people, and um, people seem to be digging this thing. So uh, hit me up on Instagram. The, uh, the, my Instagram handle is 37 Effects. That's the word 30, the number 7, FX, because I want to make you earn the Fat Guy Little Coat to try to find my page. So, uh, yeah, that's what I got going. And Eric, come on, bring it home, Eric. Uh, bring it home. Well, I doodle for money, so if you uh, if you need art, I'm your guy. Art of Eric uh, I just spent a day doodling. This wasn't for money. I was just sitting in front of the news all day with the election. So I drew a picture Ugh. of uh, 
the guy who interrupted one of the press conferences in Nevada. He had a shirt that said <laughs> barbecue, beer, and freedom. Freedom. And I was <laughs> I just so that, inspired. That's awesome. So yeah. I drew a picture of that guy yelling at the Statue of Liberty. Oh, uh, that's so great. <laughs> but uh, yeah, custom art, anything you need, I'm your guy, art of Eric Pabon.com. I can vouch for it. Check out my logo on 37FX, oh, drawn yeah. by Eric Pabone, and it is fantastic. Excellent, excellent, excellent work, my brother. So guys, we want to thank you for uh, getting through this episode. I'm assuming this will be our least downloaded episode. Um, of this show just just because of the fact that no one's ever heard of this movie yeah but it's also um, but our I, shortest episode so that's a bonus but i do hope that you guys give this movie a chance and it becomes part of your uh i got nothing else going on for about an hour and a half i'm gonna yep. watch this uh repertoire and uh join us again for the next episode where we review uh well it's got a slightly more bit of a plot to it but uh it's another absurd movie oh yes in the uh, great Tim Burton, probably Tim Burton's best movie ever. <laughs> oh, I, I, all right. We can talk about uh, that, but anyway. No, I'm just. I was. That was kind of a joke. All right, good. Um, it's still better than Planet of the Apes. Oh, oh I'm nervous. And we're gonna review Mars Attacks. Yeah. We should do the entire episode and just say "act" the whole time. <laughs> and yeah. then, like. Then, oh, we should do the whole episode saying act the whole time and then actually record the episode and then say this is the translated version. Exactly. We, we only need to, we need to use the translation machine. <laughs> yep. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. We appreciate you. We need to come up with an awesome ending to the show, some way to wrap this whole thing up. You mean right now? This ain't it, man. No, something like clever to say. You know, like when you end something, you need a great quote or a great line. Yep. Well, let's work on that. Cause Stay we'll sexy. have a lot of dead air right now. <laughs> oh no, this is like people enjoy this shit. Like, believe me, this is the kind of stuff like actually someone will listen to. They'll listen to us ramble on about nonsense, and like their whole time they're thinking, "Is this show ever going to end? Like, right. are they just going to say goodbye or anything, or is it just going to like keep going on forever?" <laughs>